0: I had something interesting happen to me on Thursday. Me and my daughters were on our way to school and we're coming up to the stoplight. And as we're coming to the stoplight, a car is coming down off the highway and it's not slowing down. It's getting faster and it's in the lane where me and my girls are. And I pulled out of the lane off to the shoulder, almost hit the guardrail and I go, ah, and that car wasn't done because it went past me. And up over the curb and slammed into a car parked next to a gas pump. (gasps) Wow. Right next to that car was the sheriff. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a couple other sheriffs that were sitting at McDonald's getting their coffee, and they went running really quick. I think the coffee ended up on the ground, but uh, it was quite the ordeal. And me and my daughters were just kind of watching this like, my daughter calls mom on my cell phone and goes, "Mom, we almost died." <laughs> and I, I, had just, I had just got done telling my wife. I said, I said, Michelle, um, you know, I can remember back in the days before you and I had cell phones, and I'd be working at camp, and you'd go shopping with your mother, and you'd be gone for like ten hours. <laughs> and, and this was literally before this had happened. I said, I said, Michelle. There were times I was like, I hope Michelle gets home, because if she is in an accident and, like, is dead, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, like, and I said, I said, Michelle, you're never allowed to get into an accident. And then about two minutes later, I'm almost in an accident. And, and um, but I, you know, I was thinking about that. We witnessed something. And I had a version of what I thought I saw. And the next day, I talked to uh, the guy that went was responsible for the tow, tow truck to come and pick that up, and I heard what he saw and what he experienced, and it enlightened me a little bit more on the story, but I, I could have been a testimony to what had happened. And we're going to talk this morning about the testimony of John, part one. That means that later in the book, we'll have a part two. But sometimes the testimony is important. I saw an accident in 1998 when I was working security at college. And 10 years later, I was sitting at home. I got, you know, before this had happened, Before when I saw that accident, I didn't have any children. Now I have three children, and I think one of them was a teenager. And I get a phone call, and this person says, do you remember that accident in 1998? I said, yes. They we said, well, we're here, and we're asking questions for trial. I'm like, that was 13 years ago. I, I, I hardly I, Whatever I said that night, I'm not even sure I could remember that much of it. They said, oh, thank you for your time. But, and they asked me a couple of questions, and I, a lot of times I was like, I don't know. It was a long time ago. But um, so often in the book of John, one of the things that I want you to picture is, is that all through this book? I, I really believe that a big part of God's purpose in this book is He says, "I, I Jesus, is the Son of God," and we're going to prove it. And I said this before: this book is like one big court case, and Jesus Christ puts Himself on trial. And he calls witnesses, and he has people testify. And we learn about characters, and, and we see so many amazing things through this book. And you are on the jury, and you have this responsibility that Jesus Christ has given you, whether you are going to believe or not. It's a choice that Jesus gave you. And the first testimony that Jesus Christ calls to the stand as a witness in this book is John the Baptist. Okay, So right now what I'd like to do is as we're looking at the Gospel of John, we're going to take this tour of the Gospel of John. I start off by saying everyone who's in this book has long passed away. Uh, They fell asleep down here on this earth. Their physical body was buried in the ground and their spirit, their soul went to live with Jesus Christ forever. And that was a long time ago. And so we're going to put together, one of the things that I want you to picture is that when we see people in this book, we learn a lot about their character. And so what I do is I, I've kind of, I've got these epithets. I'm going to put some tombstones up there. And every time we come to a character in this book, we're going to learn something about, about this person. And it should be, it is very, I'm amazed as I've read and studied this book. It's very consistent through the book, the way these people act. And so there is someone, and I've challenged people with this. Walking into when I was in Costa Rica, I always said at the beginning of the week, I said, you guys are young people and you're beginning to, you know, you're just kind of facing this world. You're in mission school. You just graduated from high school. You're getting ready to serve the Lord. What kind of person are you? There's lots of people in the book of John, and you can relate to one of them. So I said, I'm going to challenge you guys. There's, uh, So I would have usually about 30 mission, missionary students, and I'd say, at the end of this course, I'm going to ask you, who in the Gospel of John do you relate to the most? And so the first person I'd like us to look at is the author of the book, John the Apostle. And so what I'm going to put on his tombstone His epitaph is going to be he never got over the fact that Jesus loved him. John is a guy that never got over the fact that Jesus loved him. You know, the the song that might be his favorite song in his life is, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And that meant a big deal to him. He was the beloved of Christ. He's like, Jesus, the person who died and rose again, loved me. The Son of God loved me. That meant a lot to John. The next person we're going to learn about in this book and that we're going to encounter is John the Baptist. And so I wanted to just talk about these guys at the same time because they are two different people. Two very different people. And John the Baptist on his epitaph what we're going to do is we're going to say his is He must increase, but I must decrease. Or or in other words, in John the Baptist's life, the theme of his life, I believe, is Jesus is number one, and I'm below that. Sometimes I say Jesus is number one, I'm number two. But the important part was Jesus was number one. He must increase, and I must decrease. And whenever I see him in the book, that's the message that he's given He's saying, don't look at me, look at Jesus. God's given me great gifts and talents, but it's not about me, it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus, it's about Jesus. So we come to John chapter 1, and verse 19. It says, now this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and said, and did not deny but confessed I am not the Christ And they asked him what then are you Elijah? He said, I am not Are you the prophet and he said no And he said to him Who are you? That we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said, Now these who were sent were from the Pharisees. But they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize, if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you, whom you do not know, it is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. These things were done in Bethabra, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day Jesus, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin. Of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who was preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained on him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining on him. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified and testified that this is the son of God. I I just love the story of John the Baptist. So we just read um, Matthew chapter 3. And that was on purpose, but we had a reason for that. And the, the reason we read that is John the Baptist got people's attention. You remember what we just read there as we read his story? John the Baptist comes and he approaches these Pharisees and he says, Pharisees, you brood of vipers. If somebody called us a brood of vipers, they might begin to get our attention. And he begins to say to them, "What's going on? Is you guys are doing wrong? You are not bearing fruit worthy of the kingdom. You're, you're not doing things that God would be happy with. Not you're not serving the Lord. Your works are worthless." And what's happening is that God is coming and He's got His axe in His hand. It's ready to be laid to the tree. And that tree is going to be cut down and any tree that's not bearing fruit is worthy of being cut down and thrown into the fire. And so what John the Baptist is saying to these Pharisees, these religious leaders, is what you're doing is worthless. You're not doing things for God you're dead, and what dead wood is? The only thing it's good for is being cut down and thrown into the fire. He was sending a clear message: if you guys don't change and you don't come spiritually alive, you're in danger of hell. That got their attention. I was like, whoa, okay. And so they kind of, you know, as they're as they're listening to this, they they want to challenge him. And they're going to go up to him and they're going to find out exactly who this John is. Now remember, I I talked last week, I said, we believe that John, when he wrote his book, he had knowledge that the other three Gospels were being circulated around. And so he jumps us into this story about John the Baptist. And I think we have to have that background, that John the Baptist was somebody that stirred up people and got their attention and got made them feel uncomfortable in the fact that what they were doing is not right. And they need to be looking someplace else for salvation. And he pointed them to Jesus Christ. And that didn't sit very well with the Pharisees. And I oh, I don't know about you, but I, I always picture Pharisees in my mind like this. That's how I picture them. They they knew what they knew. They always cross you know, always raise their chin up and cross their arms and you know. But at the same time, I know that they worked hard at studying the law. That if as we look through this book, we're gonna see people like Pharisees and Sadducees. And the Pharisees were known as the conservatives of the day. And they were kind of the the, the people that were trying to stay true to the word of God. But they had begun to come skew to the truth of the word of God. Um, I was listening to Joe Langton talk about that this morning. And they had gotten away from the truth of the foundation of the word of God. And they had added to it. And instead of what Christ tried to, came to do, which was to relieve people of the burden that sin weighs down on them. They had been adding to the burden that people would carry around. And they had been making it more about the righteous works to establish a good way to get to heaven. Instead of having the importance be on the relationship with God. And so they come to John the Baptist and they say, John, who do you think you are? Do you think that you're the Messiah? Oops, sorry, I forgot to put that up there just a moment ago. Who are you? Are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah that is coming to the world? That's going, you know, do you claim to be the Messiah who's going to save us? And I love uh, John the Baptist. This answered, no, I'm not the Messiah. And I've often told people, as I look at these three questions that they, the four actually four questions that they ask him, the first three he says no to, the fourth one he responds. And I say, when they come and they say, are you the Christ, the Messiah that we should be looking for? And he answers, no. I say, well, where in the Old Testament does it say that we're going to be looking for a Messiah, a Savior, a Christ that would come? And I usually say, my answer is usually. The whole Old Testament is full of promises of a coming Messiah, of a coming Savior, of a coming Deliverer. But I wanted to grab one verse, so I grabbed Isaiah chapter 9. So let's look in our Bibles at Isaiah chapter 9, where we see that promise in the Old Testament of a coming Messiah. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Says there, You're probably familiar with this verse. It says for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulders and his name will be called wonderful. Counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace of the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And these guys had come with a chip on their shoulder and they say, who are you claiming to be? Are you claiming to be the Messiah? Because I think that they're intending to, if that's who this John the Baptist was claiming to be, They were going to prove him wrong, and they were going to tear up his reputation. But John the Baptist says, nope, it's not me. I'm not the Messiah. You say, well, then who are you? And they ask this next question. This is where this gets kind of strange, and I think we need a little bit of background. They say, are you Elijah? If I'm somebody that picks up the Bible, and I read this, I'm like, Elijah, why would they think that This John the Baptist is Elijah. We have to understand the Old Testament. And we have to read like the very last words of the Old Testament. So go to the book of Malachi. At the end of the book of Malachi, it says in verses 5 and 6, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. So it had been prophesied in the Old Testament that before the great and terrible day of the Lord, that Elijah would return as someone who would proclaim that the Messiah was coming. And as you look at John the Baptist in the Gospels, he reminds you a lot of Elijah. I've always pictured 2 Kings chapter 1 when uh, he's... Out there and he's proclaiming, if I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven. And burns up the the king's entourage. And the way he's described in that passage of scripture is very similar to the way John the Baptist is described. And so they're very similar, but John the Baptist admits here, he says, "Uh, that's not really my purpose. And, And I believe he was a type of Elijah. But he says in his own words, I'm not Elijah. I'm not this guy. Come back with a message for today. Then they ask a third question. They say, are you the Christ? He says, no, no, I'm not the Christ. Are you Elijah? No, I'm not Elijah. Well, are you that prophet? Let's turn our Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy chapter 18. And in Deuteronomy chapter 18, Moses is giving some very good advice to the children of Israel about people who come and claim to come in the name of the Lord and to give their message. And I think it's I think it's something that we need to listen to today. And Deuteronomy chapter 18 is a passage of scripture That we kind of need to take to heart. Because you're going to hear all kinds of messages of people who claim to come from God. To be speaking the word of God. And they're going to try to get you to know, to listen and believe what they're trying to say. Well, when they come from a message that they claim has to do with God. or, Or something that you need to listen to so you can be drawn closer to God. You need to test what they are saying. If someone clum, comes and claims, you hear claims that they claim to be a modern day prophet, instantly go and before you hear their message, read Deuteronomy chapter 18. It's very, very, very important that you do. That you listen. And you always compare what they are saying to the source of the truth, which is the word of God. But in Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 18, it says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you, Moses, from among their brethren, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it will be that whatever... That whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. In that passage of Scripture, I have written right next to it, John chapter 1 in my Bible. Because when they come and they say to John the Baptist, they say, are you that prophet that's supposed to come? This is what they're talking about. Now Moses said, one day there's going to be a prophet like me, who has the direct words of God, and he's a big deal. He's going to come out of you, children of Israel. And he's going to change the world. And he's going to speak the words that he hears from the Father. And they say, John the Baptist, are you that prophet? That Deuteronomy chapter 18 prophet? And John the Baptist says, no, I'm not that guy. So now just imagine if you were one of the Pharisees. And you say, okay, John the Baptist, who are you? Are you the Christ? He says, no. Are you Elijah? No. Well, are you that prophet? No. Well, What's the, the, the next logical thing that you'd probably say? Well, who are you? Tell us. And he has an answer. And he says, and so they're like, okay, we give up. Who are you? And he quotes from Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3. He says, I am the voice crying in the wilderness. Make straight the word of the Lord. And so he had this responsibility that was given to him by God to go out into the wilderness and to prepare the way of the coming Messiah. I believe that John the Baptist is an Old Testament prophet. I believe that he was the last of his kind. If it, When I look at John the Baptist and I hear his words and, and I read what he's saying, I'm going, he's like the end of the Old Testament. Because once Jesus Christ raises from the, rises from the dead, and he's going to change the world, everything is going to diff, be different. But you'll notice I put up there, he's the last of his kind. What's that say? For now, What's, what do you think that, maybe I'll let you think about that for a minute. I believe that when we read the scriptures, the word of God, the book of Revelation, there's coming a day where this world is going to need John the Baptist type guys to speak the truth, to point people to Christ going to need to be guys like Moses, like Elijah. We're going to stand up and in a very bold way speak with the prophetic word of God like those Old Testament prophets of old. I believe that there's a New Testament prophet uh, that the word of God teaches about and how to handle them. But John the Baptist was... In, in the fashion of the Old Testament prophet. And he was an amazing guy. Would have loved to see seen him at work. And the message of his life was always Jesus is number, and I am number. And every time we see him, we can say, Jesus is number, and I am number. So anytime you think you see that guy and you, you hear him, that's what you can remember. His message that he was going to make straight the way of the Lord. There's a verse, there's a passage in Scripture that I love. I've Always kind of tied, tied to what John the Baptist was doing. And something that I think is very, very important. I believe that this passage of Scripture is prophetical. And it's still in the future, but I think it's something that we need to pay attention to. And to hold dear to our hearts. And let's look in our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 35. Isaiah chapter 35. In Isaiah chapter 35 verses 8 to 10. It says. A highway shall be there. A road shall and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool shall not go astray, no lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast go upon it. It shall be it shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their head. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. I believe in a literal interpretation of Scripture, and I believe that this message is directly for uh, the kingdom age, the thousand-year millennial kingdom of Christ. But I think its principles are something that we can kind of look to And that we can think about in our own life. We sing a song, the way of the cross leads home, right? You know that song? And as I read this passage of scripture, if we are redeemed by God, we sang that song this morning, redeemed how I love to proclaim it. We have been redeemed and we are God's children. We have chosen what we, we that know the gospels, we have chosen the narrow way. Wide is the way that leads to destruction, and many there are that find it. But we have chosen to follow Christ, the narrow road, and it's a highway to holiness. We are to live. If we know Christ and we're walking the road to heaven, you know, this wor- we could claim this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. We can live separate from this world. We need to be walking a path to heaven, and we are on our way there, and we are not going to turn off that path to the right or to the left. We're going to live for our Savior. We're going to live differently, set apart from this world. And the world should notice that we're on a different path. The way we walk, the way we talk, the things we do ought to be different because we are on a different road. We're following Jesus Christ. He's our example. And I'd like you so much to think about that. The highway of holiness. I I used to challenge people. I said there's a popular song that used to be thrown around highway to hell. You've heard that phrase. Whether you know the song or not. And I said, you know, The devil wants to deceive us and he'd love for us to be going the wrong direction. He'd love for us to be heading down the wrong path. I don't believe that the Bible talks about a highway to hell. Even though I could say that, and I have admitted, that broad is the way that leads to destruction. could fit that. But I'm very clear in Isaiah here. That we need to be on the highway to holiness. We need to be on, on the road that's leading to heaven. We need to follow Jesus Christ. John the Baptist, he gave a testimony. If he were to come to the court hearing that we have today, and we were to ask John, what is your testimony about Jesus Christ? Here are some things that I think we'd hear him say. He must increase, but I must decrease. Everything I know about Jesus Christ is that in my life, Jesus Christ is number one. And I need to be number two. And if he were here, and if he he were to say, you know, you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. John the Baptist bears witness. He stands before you today. And he says, I swear to tell the the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And here is my testimony. I quote John the Baptist from John chapter 1 today. I have testified that this is the Son of God. So this guy, he might not be the Christ. He might not be the Messiah, the Messiah. He's not Elijah. He's not that prophet. But he says, I was given a job. And that was to point people to the Lord. To get them headed down that narrow road. To get them to to give off sin and get following Jesus Christ and he said this is the testimony that I have that that man Jesus Christ right there he is the son of God and then I want kind of want to set up what I'd like to talk about next week because in John chapter 1 when John the Baptist sees Jesus coming he looks at him and he sees him out of the crowd And he looks at him and he says, behold the, what's he say? Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. And we know Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. But as we look at that phrase, Jesus is the Lamb of God. Next week, I'd kind of like to whet your appetite. Next week, we're going to look at why it's important that Jesus is the Lamb of God. And we're going to take a journey through the Old Testament. And I'm going to take you to three different places where we learn about the importance of the Lamb. And how a Lamb of God can change the world forever. And why it was such a big deal. And why it changed everything when John the Baptist pointed at this man who he claimed to be this. He said, this man's the Son of God. And he says, behold the Lamb. Isn't that, isn't that the name of uh, uh, the play down at Sight and Sound? Behold the Lamb. And as we think about that, as we contemplate that, what's the big deal about Jesus Christ, the Lamb that was slain for our sins? That's next week. hope you come. I hope you bring a friend as we see our great Savior and what He did for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. That you sent John the Baptist to prepare the way. Lord, I pray that you might help us to take that attitude of John the Baptist. Jesus is number 1, and I need to be number 2. And we might strive be walking that straight and narrow path, to be on the highway of holiness, live separate from the world, and Lord, I just thank you and I praise you that you sent a man like John the Baptist to be a witness, stand before us as a testimony that Jesus Christ was the Son of God that he could change the world i pray that you might make a difference in our lives you might help us to live daily for you in jesus name we pray amen